0: Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Loco, and my other incredible buddy, Tanner Hoops, out there. So, uh, guys, tonight the Kansas City Monarchs uh, had a a pretty sizable lead here a couple of times in this game. Chicago battle's back to tie it, but the Wachos championship winning hit for the second year in a row, and we'll start with Kevin. uh, uh, You know, give credit to Chicago. They didn't go away, and they made this quite a contest tonight.
1: I thought there was a lot of moxie from the Chicago Dogs Club just to get back into the game again. It would have been very easy to just roll over and play dead once you're down six to one. No pun intended. Dogs roll over, play dead. Um, but give them a lot of credit for, for for one for the pitching to hold Kansas City down till obviously the ninth inning, but and the and the batters for plugging away and getting back into the game.
0: Tanner, as you watch Kansas City now celebrating, it looks like uh, John Hernandez is going to wind up being, according to the league, as the MVP of this series. Um, I, I guess not not any big surprise. Kansas City came away with the championship here tonight. This was a team that finished with the best regular season record, and, and they proved that they were the best team even looking at this one particular game, kind of
2: solidifying that position for them. Yeah, I mean you gotta tip your cap to Kansas City. Now this is nothing new for them. Their second title in three years and you know, they uh they always just seem to build a winner down there. So uh first and foremost, congratulations to those guys down there, the ownership management and uh they've they've uh they've really earned this thing, you know. They uh not quite from start to finish, but for most of the year they uh just sat above everybody else in terms of uh, win loss record and you know they've got playmakers they've got dogs up and down that lineup and uh, I tell you what they uh, they were just the best team over the course of a 100 game season and uh, they ultimately are the team that wins the title so you know uh, they're uh, their group that you know earned it they've uh, they've certainly put together a championship caliber team and uh, happy for them happy for their fans well let's well, look well, at
0: tonight's game here <laughs> let's look at tonight's game here for a little bit so Uh, It's a start between what we expected, Miller-Hogan versus Stephen Lacey. Both pitchers go through the first inning unscathed, but Kansas City able to get on the board in the second. Uh, It starts out with a a or Adolfo single. Two batters later, Taylor Snyder singles, advancing Adolfo to second. Jacob Robson then singles, doubles, excuse me, into left center field. A nice throw to the plate, guns down Snyder, but uh, Adolfo able to score. And... um, uh, Kansas City had a, a looked like they were going to roll and just take over this game early. Kevin,
1: they did. And uh, they're a team that it's all about momentum with them. If they if they get a couple guys on, it just seems like it, it just piles on, and they just they're very good at just turning like a couple hits into a big inning, and they did with uh, with the big inning to start the game.
0: LJ Hatch follows with a base hit that brings home Jacob Robson that brings up o- Odubel Herrera, who singled in the center field center. Just, I, I'm not exactly sure what center fielder for Chicago was doing at that particular point. The ball bounced right in front of him, uh, Nick Heath. And then he just, I guess he took some kind of weird hop or, or curve to it or whatever. And that allowed another Kansas city run to score. And you know, it's those costly errors, um, uh,
2: that get magnified during this championship time that really make a difference in a game yeah you know and that was one of the biggest question marks for me that I had uh, going into this series because both teams you know if there was a a weakness uh, that was you know uh, maybe jumped out at you a little bit would be uh, some defensive miscues you know I think Kansas City led the league in errors during the regular season Chicago was up there they had their issues stealing the ball and Um, You know, I I think, uh, like you said, you you know, everything's magnified once you get to this stage in the season. And uh, ultimately for Chicago, um, that, you know, was a big reason why Kansas City was able to do it in four, get the job done in their home field at night. Last
0: night, Kevin, we talked about the fact that uh, Chicago got those three runs early and Kansas City just kept fighting back. Well, Chicago came back with a run in the top of the third to make this a a two-run game at that point and took advantage of a couple of miscues on the part of the Monarchs to do that. And as Tanner was talking about, Kansas City was prone to make some mistakes, and and, uh, we're going to talk more about that later on in this uh, um, talking about this game. But um, you kind of had a feeling when Chicago responded that they weren't out of this game at all.
1: They weren't. I think sometimes, too, when we look at games... I know personally, I do, I don't know about everybody else that's listening to this pod. When you see a lead like 6-2, I don't know why, maybe it's just me. It's the same amount of runs, but it just seems like 6-2 is a lot more insurmountable than 4-0. It's the same amount of runs, but I just think that... It looked like it was just going to be too tough of a hill for the dogs to climb, but obviously, you know, the dogs are pros, and they they got the assignment and just kept plugging away at the lead, and eventually w- was able to knot it up.
0: Kansas City comes back with three runs in the bottom half of the inning, a single and a walk. Walks
1: killed this
0: Chicago team all series long. That was the end for Stephen Lacey. Brian Warzak came in, um, he got the first out of the inning, but and a single and an error, another error by a Chicago uh, outfielder allowed Chris Herman to score. Following that was Tater, Taylor Snyder who had a single that drove home John Hernandez and Brian O'Grady came home on a, a, a wild pitch. Um, and, and it's, I mean, I was kind of watching this uh, Tanner and just thinking, man, uh, Chicago was just it's self-inflicting on themselves in this in this contest. It looked like.
2: Yeah, and they really didn't have any room for error. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, margin for error the way that Miller Hogan was pitching. You know, Chicago was a team that, you know, to win in a hostile environment, you know, it's a must-win. Kansas City's got a little bit of breathing room. You know, they have a a game five in their back pocket should they need it. Uh, But Chicago didn't have that luxury, and they just seemed to play a little bit too tight. You know, they had a, a few too many errors that ultimately at this stage in a close game like this, uh, good teams are going to take advantage, and, uh, and Kansas City did, and that's why they're uh, hoisting the trophy tonight. Miller
0: Hogan was breezing uh, through five, Kevin, but it, it things quickly turned against him. Out uh, uh, a, a 1-0 pitch to Peyton Eels, he winds up singling. Nick Heath then turns on a, an 0-2 pitch and winds up tripling to the gap there to drive home Eels. That brought Ryan Lish to the plate. Again, an 0-2 pitch. Uh, gives up a base hit to to Heath, and all of a sudden Chicago back in the game. But I was thinking, man, Hogan was ahead of a couple of guys there. Should have, you know, it looked like he was his pitches were a little too too good there. And I just I was kind of wondering if your thoughts are just
1: wore down a little
0: bit by that point.
1: Well, to add on to the point you guys are talking about with the fielding from both ball clubs, let's uh, let's not fool ourselves. The Legends Field is not the best playing surface in the league. So I have a feeling that on some of those airs, those guys were dealing with some hops that in a ballpark that played more fair, you they wouldn't have to deal with. But anyways, getting back to Hogan, you know, the dogs made him work, drove the pitch count up and stayed very patient at the plate, got some pitches ahead and that's how they were able to get back into the game again. Tanner in
0: the seventh, Chicago puts up two more on the board and this was back in those those they don't show as errors, um, but uh, you know, kind of watching some of these plays that were hit. There were there were balls that I thought were, were playable. One hit off L.J. Hatch's glove and wind up falling in for a single. Looks like he kind of jumped a little bit too much there. But two walks also played a part in this inning as uh, Chicago winds up coming up with two runs on a Nick Heath base hit that scores two more runs for them to make it six five and. You know, at that point, I was kind of watching Kansas City and thinking, "Man, Jordan Martinson did not look very good for them. It was I was a little surprised he went in the game and, and and that Joe stuck with him that long. As you're watching that, we like. I, I, did it seem to you that maybe he went with him a little bit too long in that? Inning?
2: Yeah, I think uh, Joe's got a really good feel of what uh his bullpen has to offer and Martinson is one of those guys that you know when he's on he's as tough to hit as anybody so um, you know, I, I, I trust Joe in that situation where he's, you know, managed enough successful teams and, you know, he knows his bullpen better than anybody that, you know, he's not going to put a guy in a situation that uh, he doesn't feel he can handle or he doesn't feel that he can work his way out of. So, um, you know, and Martinson was struggling a little bit. I think that says more to Chicago and their approach, you know, their never say die approach because, you know, they're in the uh, championship series for a reason. Um, but, you know, I, I, I trust Joe in that kind of situation. I think he's got a record of knowing how to manage bullpens and uh, put guys in a position yeah, where he knows that uh, they can be successful. In
0: the eighth, Kevin, uh, back-to-back single start the inning, a sacrifice move, both runners into scoring position for Matt Bocher, who grounds out, but Josh Altman comes home. A, a play that almost, Bo, Bocher was almost safe because the throw by Justin Wiley was a little high coming into O'Grady, and for whatever reason, I, I thought he'd jumped up to catch the ball, which was pretty unnecessary. Almost was off the bag on that, but Kevin, i, I was starting to think, man, Chicago's going to come away. I mean, they've been kind of a team of destiny in these playoffs, and I thought, man, they're going to wind up taking this game.
1: I thought, you know, we're going to see the Dogs do what the Morgan was able to do in Game 5 of the Miles World Cup Finals last year, where they just chopped away at the lead, and eventually eventually came out on top, but Obviously, it was not meant to be, but give them a lot of credit for getting back into the game.
0: Joe Calviero came on in the eighth for Chicago, able to retire Kansas City in order. But in the ninth, Chris Herman leads off with a single. Uh, uh, advances the second. I do I was reading that. Advances the second on a ground out by Hernandez. Adolfo then intentionally walked. Kevin, let's stay with you for just a minute. You were a little surprised by the Adolfo walk, intentional walk there.
1: Well, maybe they've got some stats that I don't have, but to me, you got Herman at second base. Let's let's look at this. You know, Herman reaches on a, just a little squibber that I thought there could have been a better play made on the third base went for a one-handed play. Herman's not blessed with the greatest speed. I would have liked to have seen. Seen a different approach to the ground ball. Then he gets Herman gets the second base on a and uh, also a weird play that you wonder. Depending on where the fielders are playing for Chicago, if that ball doesn't hit Cavalero, is there a chance that the shortstop or second baseman grab it and possibly turn a double play? Well, didn't turn out like that, and the third baseman made a great play just to retire. Hernandez at first so two pitches to Mike Rodolfo out of the strike zone and they decided to intentionally put him on I get some of the logic that you maybe you don't want to give him a hittable pitch but to me why did you why do you not try to still go at him and try 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 him try to get Adolfo to get himself out. Instead of just giving up on the play, putting him on first, and you're bringing up one of the nine former major leaguers on the Kansas City roster with uh, Brian O'Grady and O'Grady singles, and they're popping champagne in Kansas City. Tanner,
0: one-two pitch to O'Grady that he grounds up the middle, winds up scoring uh herman with the game-winning run there you've got to call some of those walk-off hits over your career so um as a broadcaster h- how exciting is that when you're watching your guy come home
2: to, to score a
0: winning run in a game and and
2: you're getting to call that action yeah you know they, it's very rare to find a more special feeling and i'm happy for my colleague carter Wooddeal. you know two years in a row he's gotten a call up uh, uh, Walk-off uh, championship hit. So, you know, I know that's uh, something that he's going to cherish for a long time. And, um, you know, I, it's always something that's really special to be able to uh, to be able to be a part of. You know, and that's one of the you know a lot of people talk about their why. You know, their reason for uh, for doing what they do. And, you know, for me. Uh, you know my goal whenever I'm on air or whatever is I, I I don't like to make a broadcast about myself you know I think my job there is to punctuate what's uh, what's happening in the game and uh, to make a moment special for the guys and uh, you know I've had some that um, you know I've, I've enjoyed I felt like you know I've, I've uh, called it well and I've had some where you know I've been really hard on myself because ultimately it's uh, about punctuating the moment it's about uh, it's about making uh, something special for the for the for the player for the fan for the uh for the team you know whoever it may be uh whoever's tuned in and and taking part of that and you know uh looking back on that as part of history uh that's something special so no it, it's uh, it's a really cool moment it's something that like you said i've been blessed to have uh, been able to do a few times uh, especially over the course of this 2023 season and uh and hopefully there's a championship walk off colson time in my future
1: yeah, so, let me, let me ask you this,
0: Tanner.
1: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Ian. I wanna I wanna build upon this. Um, you know, those of us that remember the 1991 Twins, we know that when Kirby Puckett hit the game-winning home run in Game Six, "We'll see you tomorrow night" became became a legendary phrase. When you uh, when you hear those words, "We'll see you tomorrow night," you think of 1991 Kirby Puckett home run. Tanner, when you make that call, is it – do you just try to go on what you're feeling at the time? Is it – do you have a general idea of what you might want to say, or do you – is it just spontaneous?
2: So, it can depend on the situation. So, if we had forced a game three against Kansas City in the West Division Series – I was going to give a little load to John Gordon there. You know, I, I grew up listening to him and there was going to be after that third out was recorded in Kansas City. Had we won that uh, game two, there would have been and we will see you tomorrow night. And you know, sometimes I like to uh, give a nod to some people that uh, mean a lot to me that have uh, been a big part of my career and influenced me. So um, if there's an opportunity that arises, I can sneak something in a uh, catchphrase the they have, something like that. I'll take the opportunity to do it. But I think uh, most often the, the best uh, Calls of anything, whether it's a walk off or whatever it may be, is spontaneous. You know, I do believe in being prepared. You know, having things, um, um, you know, is a- a- sorted out ahead of time. Maybe an idea of where you want to go with something. You know, you always kind of got that going in the back of your mind. But I-, I do think that it's best when it's spontaneous. You know, I think you can tell if you you can really listen in. Some people got a fine ear. Uh, for something that's overly prepared, uh, that's stock or, you know, or something that's spontaneous and uh, that's fun, that's emotional. So, um, you know, I like to go into it with the mindset of, yeah, a few different things could happen. There could be a few different possibilities with this play. Uh, how am I going to uh, to react to each one? So what I like to do, and, you know, it's a trick that, um, you know, I've always just, you know, tried to do before a game is, you know, I sit in the booth and I look out at the field and I visualize, um, like a ground ball going into right field, you know, how am I going to call that? You know, and it, it, I, I can just picture Jordan Barth in the batter's box and he singles to right and I'm calling that in my head. Or uh, Jabari Henry hits a towering sack fly to deep left field, you know, and I, I'm letting a lot of these scenarios play out in my head, just call it, uh, you know, in, uh, in my head before uh game begins, you know, and that's just one of those things that um, I like to do to try to stay sharp. And I think the more uh, of a vision that you have, uh, can help you be both spontaneous and uh, prepared when you're when you're in a high leverage goal. Well, let me come back to this, uh, Tanner.
0: It it wasn't surprising, I guess, that Joe Cavaliero came on for a second inning just because he, you know he had pitched two inning scenarios in, in, in games this season, but. I, I think if you're, a, if you're a fan kind of watching this, you think, well, why doesn't Brian Schlitter come out here right now? That, that's your closer, ninth inning. You need to get some more outs here to get to a tenth so that you can try to win this game. And I wonder if the struggles of Schlitter impacted Butch Hobson. He thought, I, I can't count on this guy to get out, so i got to go with my reliever for a second inning.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely what happened. You know, Schlitter is one of those guys that you know we had mentioned on the pod Sunday, uh, if Chicago was going to win this series. They were going to need Brian Schlitter to be his dominant regular season self, and it was a a situation where, you know, I've got the series on the line. Uh, Maybe it's not that I don't necessarily trust this guy, but I need him for a a potential winner-take-all game five, and maybe he's playing the matchup a little bit. Uh, Cavalero, I mean, he's not a bad option to have out there. I know there's a lot of teams that would – uh, kill for a guy like that he was you know among the league leader if not the in uh regular season appearances and you know he's a guy that's come on in many a high leverage situation before and he's been uh really good passed the test more often than not and it's uh, just one of those things where a guy makes a better play you know uh, he's a great arm a great guy to have in a situation like that i think it just speaks more to kansas city and uh, uh brian o'grady and what have you uh, coming up in a situation like that and making a play
0: Kevin, neither bullpen looked particularly great in this series. A lot of late-inning runs we were seeing both of them. But Jansen's bullpen was just seemed to be just a little bit better, and that looked like that was the difference in the series.
1: It was, and you just wonder how much did that X-rating game on Saturday night would just wear down both teams' bullpens where neither were all that overwhelming the rest of the series. Yeah, I kind of
0: wonder if the series was won in that game one. You know, I mean, it was like the, the the tired destiny of that because so many relievers were used, and it completely changed everything about what Chicago was going to do because they were intending to go with Brian Warzak in game two. They couldn't do that because he wound up having to relieve in that contest to give them a couple innings out there. And, you know, if you watch that, Kevin, it just seemed like Chicago was completely out of, think after that in terms of what they want to do, even though they got to the guys they wanted for games three and four, but their bullpen was kind of a, you know, a, a, trial by error after that.
1: Well, how many times have we talked about in series or even in just during the season alone, that sometimes you can win the next night's game the night before. And I just think Chicago had to empty out the tank a lot more than, than the Kansas City had to in order to win that game one. Obviously, you needed to do it. I mean, what, there's, There is no other option. But I think you make a good point there because I think the rest of the series, we just – Chicago's pitching staff just seemed a little bit out of sync.
0: Well, let's get your guys' thoughts. John Hernandez is named by the league as the uh, MVP of the championship series. Tanner, do
2: you you wind up agreeing with that? Well, you know, uh, he's a fantastic player. He's a guy who elevates in the limelight, you know, and the the brighter the lights, the better he seems to play. And he has some pretty darn impactful hits. So I don't want to take anything away from him. I don't think that he isn't deserving um but I, I do think that if I had a vote I would have given it to Taylor Snyder I think he is just a little more consistent just had a little more oomph throughout the series um but you know I, I think there's certainly a case to be made for uh, for Hernandez you know he's a he's a quality player and um it's it's not an undeserved honor you know the that he's uh, getting that award but you know, I think there's a really good case for Snyder and he's the guy I probably would have voted for
0: how about you Kevin what, what are your thoughts on that
1: I agree. I thought Snyder was the guy that was consistent in all four games of the series where Hernandez was kind of up and down the, during the, the same time. So, you know, good for you on Hernandez. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, guys. I'm wondering what's going on. We reported about it earlier in the season with Hernandez got indicted for for getting, I believe, um, COVID-19 relief that he should not have gotten. I guess um, fraud has come up, and I'm just wondering when is he going to have his day in court, or has it just been blown off, or who knows? But anyways, you know, I'm hoping Joyce's MVP award.
0: Yeah, I, I was kind of leaning towards Snyder myself. I mean, the stats are great. If you wanted to talk about the entire playoffs, okay, I guess Hernandez's batting average wasn't as good, but, you know, 10 runs scored and 11 RBI in eight games, that's that's pretty good, you know. So, it, But championship series, you know, it just seemed that Snyder was constantly getting on base in situations that really got got Kansas City going. So I think I'd be leaning that way as well. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Chicago, man, if you a very tough loss, impressive performance by the team, but, but Kevin, I think you walk away here are a a dog's player thinking to yourself, man, you know, a defense really hurt us and walks really killed us in this series. And, um, there's going to be a lot of question marks. I think this team is going to be a lot of questions. This team's going to be asking themselves over
1: the next few months. There could be um, but I think this may also provide some motivation for some guys to come back just with the feeling that there's going to be unfinished business and this four game series loss could prove to be motivation for Chicago to make a run at the at a championship again, you know you and I saw it in two thousand and eighteen when St Paul came up short in the four game series of Kansas City that it was motivation for the next year to, to get the job done and they did end up doing it. So I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, there's going to be questions about how this series played out, but there's also going to be motivation for next season. Tanner, you know, we,
0: we see a team, you know, sort of builds themselves over four or five years to reach the pinnacle of reaching the championship. And I feel like these dogs have gotten one step closer to that mark every year over the since 2021. Um, do, do you see 2024 as the, as the season, that we, obviously with no rosters or anything in place, but kind of looking at 2024, do you see that as maybe the next step that they wind up
2: being the team that winds up starting out as a favorite? That's well, certainly the logical step. You know, they really have been a team that you know, ever since their inception back in 18, they have consistently uh, gotten better, you know, and that's what you want to see is a year-to-year improvement in progress and um, you know you can't progress a whole lot farther than uh, getting to a championship and winning it in 2024 so yeah a lot of it's going to depend on the roster who comes back what have you but you know I think they have a clear vision of what they want to build over in Chicago and I think the front office knows where they want to take the team and um, you know Butch uh, you know he's he's a guy that you know he's getting up there in years what have you he's seasoned but hey he's still he's still got it as he proved uh this year you know uh, managing from afar in a lot of instances and um you know he just he's a good baseball man, knows how to hit the right buttons and get the most out of his guys, uh whether he's in person or not. So you know Chicago is gonna be a team that I think you feel really good about. you know, we can do our way to early power rankings, what have you, and probably put them at the top and uh I tell you it's it, it's uh, gonna be interesting to me to see what the roster makeup uh looks like, not just you know how many of these guys are back, but do they address some of those issues they have this year with the defense? Uh, the pitching staff kind of felt spotty at times this year. You know, they've got some really good arms in that starting rotation. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think that they had a, uh, enough guys in that rotation uh, from uh, May until September, um, you know, firing on all, all cylinders. You know, some guys had really good stretches and uh, and then some really lousy stretches. And, you know, it, it just felt like a team that... Well, yeah, they took a step forward from where they had been in years past, uh, just felt a whole lot different than what we've grown accustomed to seeing Chicago put out there in the field, you know, which is playing good defense, dominant starting pitching. So I'm curious to see, yeah, if they take that next step, but also uh, will they get back to playing uh, what we've come to to, to know as a Chicago Dogs baseball, or uh, do they keep a lot of the same group? And uh, and if so, what steps forward did they make? You know, Kevin. I
0: think one guy who really comes back, I think comes back for, with Chicago next year, and with just an unbelievable focus for next year, has got to be Josh Altman. He had a monster year and just did not do very much in the playoffs for the club. No, no runs driven in for the guy who was tied for the league lead in RBI during the regular season. No home runs for the guy who was tied for second in the league in home runs. I, I believe he's coming back on fire with flame spewing out of his, his ears and eyes next year.
1: Yeah, you have to imagine he's coming back. He's from Illinois. So, you know, it's um, okay. a guy that's living nearby. Why, why would you not come back if you want to play independent baseball? You know, got, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm going to be constructing a blog. You know, in theory, Kansas City and Chicago should be in the finals every year. When you look at it, when you got players that want to play in this league, guys that have lived in bigger cities don't want to go live up in Sioux City or Fargo. They want to play in the bigger cities. There is also a bigger base of players when you get around bigger cities like Kansas City and Chicago. Those two teams should be in the finals every year. They should be able to have the pick of the litter. What I'm going to construct is, I think it's going to be, since it's coming from me, the league will never consider it because, well, my opinion doesn't mean squat to anybody outside of our little circle. I think there should be a system for where teams, it would be, instead of having a salary cap, it's a point system. If you've got a guy that's played in the major leagues, he costs you so many points. Triple A, so many points. You work it all the way down to a rookie. And you're allotted so many points. And this, this will prevent teams from being able to stack up, hey, if you want to have a bunch of veterans, you're going to have to have a ton of rookies if you want to keep your points within whatever the threshold would be. To me, it's not fair to the smaller market teams like a Sioux City, like a Fargo, you know, even like a Winnipeg. Winnipeg doesn't have a huge base of baseball players to choose from. You know, what – is it going to get to the point in the league where just the the bigger markets are going to be the ones that are in the championship series every year because – They've got the best players to choose from. So I I would assign points by where, you know, like a team in like Chicago and Kansas City wouldn't be able to have so many points. You'd you'd a lot more points to teams that need it to try to get better players to come in. You guys see what I'm getting at here?
0: Yeah. And let's consider, too, that Kansas City in the last few weeks of the season, last couple of weeks of the season, added two former major leaguers to their starting rotation. It didn't hurt their salary cap in any way because, you know, they didn't show up for 15, 16 days until the season was over. So, um, you know, that, that's a huge boost. When you, and they credit Joe Calpapietro. You know, i not, not taking anything away from him, man. You can get those guys. You, you go out and you get them. But that really changed the dynamic of this, champ- of this playoffs, I think, for the Monarchs. And so um, I'm, I'm totally with you with what you're talking about here. So I will say, I want to throw out here quickly that uh, uh, for Chicago fans out there, I tip my cap to this Dogs team because as I am continuously reminding myself, I had this team finishing in last in the East division this year and they battled to get to all the way to the championship series. So, um, very tough East division. And I I said from the start, it could have been anybody one through six. I wouldn't have been surprised by that at all. So I tip my cap to these dogs and and say, I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad you guys had quite the year. And I know you guys will be looking forward to me picking you last again next year. So you'll just see that as some kind of omen. Um, let's talk about a couple of other notes here real quick. So today, uh, out here at This Week in the Association of Mountain League Sports Report, we had co-manager of the year as Steve Montgomery from the Sioux City Explorers and Tanner Hoops' uh, guy there for the Sioux Falls Canaries, and Mike Meyer were selected as the manager of the year. Uh, Either one of these guys, it wouldn't have been easy to go with and and see. It just so happened the way the voting came out for us that um, they want to be tied. But Tanner, starting with Mike Meyer you got to watch Mike the last couple of years and and the job that he's done
2: went with a different philosophy this year with the team and it really worked well for him. Yeah. You know, it was really cool to watch him kind of work with the guys, you know, when you get that title as a manager, I mean, you truly are managing everything. It's not just about uh, filling out a lineup card, but it's, you know, managing the human element of the game and, you know, who you bring in uh, what guys, you know, are a good fit in your clubhouse, what have you. And, uh, just seeing the moves that Mike made this year, you know, we we parted ways with uh, some some players throughout the year. The roster really fluctuated. Some guys that were uh, talented, they were contributors, but they just they weren't a good fit culture-wise. And um, you know, those are a lot of moves that you know I I think you got to give Mike credit for that. Um, you know, he, a lot of managers would be afraid to pull the trigger in that situation, and uh, you know, Mike was never afraid to make the hard decision. Um, you know, and, and I, I tell you what, he was really, really good in just about every situation when he's, you know, dealing with the human element um, as far as baseball goes. And you know, he, he's a guy that's always going to put the player, the pitcher, whoever it may be, he's going to put them first more than anything. And you know, he just he really cares about his guys. The guys know that they uh, they respond to that. So um, being able to watch him from a little bit closer of a lens in the public and uh, being able to see the buttons that he pushed and the way that he was able to get the most out of his guys, uh, that was really cool. And for me, it was more than deserving that year uh, that earned the honor. Kevin, uh, we both got to enjoy
0: watching Steve and Mike manage for, man, seven, what do we at, nine years for Steve in Sioux City and, and seven, I believe, for Mike in, in Sioux Falls. And uh, two guys that we like a lot. have personally been on the show a bunch of times here, but well-deserving of the honor this year, I would say
1: no doubt and just you know imagine what either one of those managers would be able to do with a roster where you'd have four, nine former major leaguers on it that's what you know these guys and what they have to do in the markets they're in these guys are prime examples of guys that are working through on a tremendous handicap just from the market that they're in and you know i i thought they both just did an incredible job of getting as much as they could all of their ball clubs this season and i'm glad they both were recognized by us
0: i also wanted to mention uh the league named john west as the from kansas city as the clubhouse manager is that what it is clubhouse manager of the year i believe that is the award that john got great guy first of all john west fantastic guy I, I didn't know that there was an award for a clubhouse manager of the year so I guess I learned something kind of new there, but the unsung hero guy, you know, because a lot of times we don't really talk about the guy making sure all the stuff's being done right to even get on the field in the first place, and uh john west we we've got talked to a bunch of times, Kevin, the guy we really like
1: somewhere out there, probably in some mix of our archives is a interview that Dan Vaughn did with with John West last season, and I tell you guys, just what he has to go through in an average day is just unbelievable what he gets accomplished with that ball club and just how much he means to that Monarchs team. And, you know, not only being clubhouse manager and doing all those duties, but then he's also first base coach and working with the team on the field. I mean, that's you're you got one guy that's filling two major roles on that team. So I'm glad that he got the accolades from the league today. Yeah, guys, Tanner, tell I can, us. I'd like to. Yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. I, play,
2: yeah, I've got a great relationship with John, and it all started. I love this story going back to last year. Uh, so you know, of course, he uh, he travels with the team as you mentioned. You know, Frank White is the uh, home game for his base coach, so John handles those duties on the road. So. uh, There was a game where they came up to our place last season. Uh, There was a ground ball hit foul toward the first base side. And I think uh, John moved to his left, tried to grab it, couldn't do so, and, you know, clanged off the wall. He picked it up. There were just some of the kids hanging over the railing. So I had said something uh, on air, and, you know, it was tongue-in-cheek. It was like, uh, just out of reach of John West coaching at first. You know, play you got to imagine Frank White, a World Series champ, would get, and you just kind of ingest, didn't think anything of it. So then the next day uh, I find a note in the press box from John that says Frank White would not have had fielded that ball over at first base. You know, I, I pick up those, uh, those ground balls. I always toss them to the kids, always give them candy, you know? And um, so I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I think that's really cool. But then I started thinking, I didn't offend him. Did I, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, cause I, I, I take pride now. I would treat people and, you know, I really care about stuff like that. So I, uh, I'm thinking about this and probably over worrying. And, you know, so I end up writing a note back to John. And I have Dan Vaughn go, uh, you know, he was uh, calling Kansas City games at the time. So I hand this note to DV. I say, can you uh, make sure John West gets this? I just want to make sure, you know, he's probably joking with me. But, you know, I want to make sure that I didn't offend him or anything like that. So the next time we see Kansas City, John stops up in the booth before the game, introduced himself to me. He's like, no, we're we're all good. There was nothing – uh, no ill intent with that. My wife uh, was tuned in. She loves listening to you, and she told me uh, uh, that you had said something, and, uh, and you know, I went back. I thought it was funny. So, um, you know, him and I have always, you know, had a good relationship, you know, and uh, and uh, I just I really enjoy talking to him. He's one of those guys that's one of the most personal guys in the league and obviously great at what he does. So uh, just one of the true good guys in this league and really happy uh, to see him be recognized. Well,
0: the – the Sioux Falls guy was not chosen, but can you can tell us a little bit about the clubhouse manager for the Canaries?
2: Yeah, John Witt is one of those guys that, um, you know, he, he's been a part of this league and baseball as a whole for a long time. You know, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know him. Unfortunately, uh, he's moving on and taking the next step in his career. Won't be back with us in 2024, but, uh, you know, John is one of those guys that, you know, he's just a good baseball man. He's been part of this great game for about three decades. He's been part of uh, our league with a number of different organizations and franchises and you know he just he he's learned a lot he's gotten to uh to work with a lot of uh you know quality baseball people and uh the stories that he's able to tell uh have been fantastic so you know he's um he's one of those guys that you know puts in the work and doesn't always get the uh uh, the credit, the recognition that he deserves, and, you know, that's not right, so, you know, that's why I like uh, that we have this award in this league, you know, and, uh, and and get to recognize those guys because we truly couldn't do it uh, without the clubby's contribution, and, uh, you know, in my unbiased opinion, we've had one of the best and, uh, over the last four years in two Falls with John Witt.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Well, uh,
0: championship series now done. The 2023 season is wrapped up. That means that uh, two Mondays from now, Kevin and I will begin looking back at the 2023 season, starting with the Gary South Shore Rio Cats, I believe, is where we will begin it, uh, And each week we'll have somebody representing the team uh, through uh, the end of the year and always have the, the pre-Christmas Brad Allred special. I always know that's a favorite for you, Kevin.
1: Definitely is. You know, Brad always... Always brings um uh, a little something different to the show, and I I'm not a Christmas guy at all, but I always look forward to the Brad Allred Christmas special. So I mean, maybe Tanner's
0: got to be the, the the Thanksgiving one this year, so it, it makes double <laughs> double holiday treat for
2: us here. I think your listeners are starting to get sick of having me on, but hey, I tell you what, I appreciate you guys not only having me on here like this, but uh, for all you guys do covering this league, you guys are seriously just the best. So we uh, we thank you guys for everything. Well,
1: Tanner, we a lot down. of. Go ahead. I'm I want to say you know a lot a lot of a lot of the broadcasters in the league, and rightfully so. Once their teams are eliminated, they they turn it off. They go on to the next thing. And I want to thank you for taking your time to come on. I know how busy you are. You've got a lot of Sticks in the fire with University of Minnesota sports, but I want to thank you for taking time to come on with us and just adding your expertise to our postseason shows throughout the last few weeks here. And you know, um, as much as I appreciate what you're doing here, I also appreciate the friendship you and I have built up in the last couple of years, and I I just cherish that friendship. So. Thank you, Tanner, for what you did for us the last couple of weeks here.
2: Hey, and thank you for uh, pretending it's expertise, but uh, your friendship means uh, the world to me as well. And uh, I, I, hey, it'll be uh, less than a month from now. You and I'll be meeting up over at 3M at Mariucci. We'll find a way to get you that cousin Eddie bottle
1: All right, sounds good.
0: Well, well, Tanner, tell it before we close out here. Tell us what what what's
2: Tanner Hoops going to be doing now. Yeah so I'm back up in the Twin Cities, you know that's home for me. Uh you know Sioux Falls is a is a great place to go down for the summers and you know I I said it to Kevin one time that was St. Paul's out of the league. I kind of consider us the Twin Cities market, you know. We've got uh Twin Cities based ownership and you know several Minnesota guys on our team. So um you know it's it's kind of a, a home not so far away from home, but you know I'm uh, resuming a lot of my duties with the University of Minnesota and uh, the Learfield Broadcast Network and um, you know, I do the play-by-play for uh, Golden Gopher Volleyball, and, you know, uh, I'm in my third year doing that, really enjoy that, and then uh, do the uh, studio hosting for uh, Golden Gopher Football. So, you know, as much as uh, uh, I love wearing both hats, you know, with, uh, with Sioux Falls and uh, with the U of M, um, you know, when we get to that, that part of the year with the overlap, I mean, it does get a little bit tricky, you know. I had to miss a couple of uh, Canaries broadcasts. Uh, toward the end of the regular season and uh, you know I, I'm just I'm really thankful that both parties um, you know they're, they're kind of intertwined in the same ecosystem but uh, I, I really am thankful that everybody's willing to make it work for me and uh, you know give me that opportunity to make a living and make a living doing something that I love so um, you know that that they will uh, keep me busy up with the U of M and uh, you know I'm just I'm up here kind of on call for whatever they need you know is uh, I, I know what my duties are with uh, volleyball football but um, you never know. I mean, I found out nine hours prior to the flight taking off last year, I was going to be doing basketball, you know, and uh, uh, over Thanksgiving week and, you know, and just um, getting to be uh, be part of those organizations, you know, um, uh, help out with uh, Minnesota News Network, um, you know, K-Fan and uh, kind of whatever assignments uh, I can pick up, you know, um, I've got a microphone and we'll travel and, uh, you know, just, just uh, it's not hard to stay busy, let's say that.
0: Well, that's fantastic. So for Tanner Hoops and Kevin Luco, I am Rob Panier. We will see you next Monday on This Week in the Association.